Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message. Father, on this special day, we acknowledge your presence here in this room right now. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Not only was born, and we celebrate that fact and that truth right here in this moment, but he lived a sinless life. He taught us the truth. He showed us the way. He performed signs and wonders. He preached the gospel, not only with words, but with his very life. He died on a cross for our sin so that we could be reconciled back to God. And three days later, he rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death, giving us the free gift of eternal life. Father, we thank you today that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We are lost. We are still dead in our sin. But because of Jesus Christ, not only do we have hope, but we can receive today by faith the free gift of eternal life, reconciled back to our Heavenly Father, forgiven and restored and made whole, becoming like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, given the gift of the Holy Spirit, filling us with power and anointing to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. God, we honour you today. Christmas is not just about food and giving presents and busyness at the shopping centres and all the demands of this season. It's about stopping and reflecting and acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And to you today, O God, we give you honour We give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, come on, let's put our hands together and just honour Him today. He is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords. In Jesus' name, Amen. How is everyone doing? Happy Christmas. Why don't you say Happy Christmas to the person next to you as you sit down today. So good to have all of our guests and visitors here today and particularly everyone who calls Numa Church home. It's a great honour to uh, have you here with us and uh, I think we need to put our hands together for the team and all that they've done. Everything you see today, the animation, even the animals. It's uh, all because of the hard work of uh, Stacey and the creative team as well as Aaron and operations and production. We just acknowledge you guys. Thank you so much for all that you have done today. Not only that, but we do just want to acknowledge uh, the presence of Dr. Alan and Helen Meyer, who also uh, lead Careforce Life Keys for several years. They have partnered with Stairway Church in their ministry there, and we're so excited to announce that as we head into 2020, that both Dr. Allen and Helen and Careforce Life Keys will be partnering with Numa Church, and you're going to see them more participating in the life of the church. So why don't you just put your hands together and just honour them. I want to invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 1, and uh, I want to read from verses 18 to 25. I want to speak about a character today in the Christmas story that's often been overlooked. Often we're uh, 
you hear messages around Mary, and of course, uh, it all comes back to the centrality of who Jesus is. Uh, we often, you know, often hear messages around the shepherds, the angel Gabriel who delivered the message to Mary, uh, the three wise men. All of these different aspects of the Christmas story are significant, but there is one person that I personally have never heard a Christmas sermon about. And I just felt the Holy Spirit put it upon my heart that my assignment today was to bring his contribution to the Christmas story to our attention and to illuminate to us the insights that can be gained from his life and the decisions that he made. And Matthew's gospel presents that character in this part of the Christmas story. So let's read Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, and the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, an important insight there, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning, I want to speak to you on this idea from dilemma to destiny. Because here we see in the life of Joseph a significant dilemma that we've got to look at today. It was in World War II that a young colonel by the name of Hal Oxley, a man that after the Second World War went on to plant Life Ministry Centre in Melbourne's eastern suburbs, a school, Oxley College, named after him, has been created and, and has been growing over many, many years. But in World War II, Hal Oxley was the youngest colonel in the Australian Army and he was tasked with a company of 150 soldiers to go and secure a town in the Middle East that was an asset to the Allies and pivotal to gaining victory in that part of the world during the war. And when they arrived on the outskirts of the town, the Germans had so fortified the town, not only with kilometres of barbed wire, but with landmines that it became impossible to pass. They simply did not have the equipment, the resource to be able to clear the landmines and the barbed wire. And so uh, Colonel Hal Oxley was tasked with the responsibility of asking for six volunteers of his company to lay their lives down and to go across the minefield and the barbed wire and to literally become living sacrifices so that the company of soldiers could walk over the top of them and get to the town. Well, when he called for volunteers, all 150 soldiers stepped forward and were willing to volunteer. And so Hal Oxley was faced with a moral dilemma. Who does he choose 
to actually lay their lives down? Who does he decide is going to die on this particular day? He chose six soldiers who laid down their lives and allowed those other 144 soldiers to cross that uh, enemy line and they went on to secure the town. A moral dilemma is a situation in which you are torn between right and wrong. And 21st century life presents us with all sorts of practical common sense dilemmas, things that are nowhere near the consequences and ramifications of what Hal Oxley had to face in World War II. These are things like which restaurant are we going to eat in? What food are we going to order off the menu? Uh, what are we going to buy for our family and friends at Christmas time? What do you buy for people who have everything in life? The answer is happy socks. And so if you're still wondering what the Christmas present should be, just go for the happy socks. It's a winner every time. And so we, we are filled with constant dilemmas, dilemmas around who should we date, who should we marry, what career or job should we pursue, what course of study should we go after. All of these things present us with all sorts of dilemmas. Some are very practical, some uh, really don't matter that much, and some impact us at the very moral core of who we are. And so now, instead of just FOMO, the fear of missing out, we have FOBO, which is fear of better options. And so we are concerned and worried that there might be a better option out there somewhere that if we choose this car or this person or this life, that we're going to miss out on something else that seemingly is better to us. You see, most of the dilemmas that you and I face are due to the options afforded to us by affluence. We live in an amazing country. We are blessed with prosperity. We have so much at our fingertips that people all over the world simply do not have access to. And so fortunately for us, the practical ramifications of the dilemmas that we face are not nearly as consequential as what Hal Oxley had to face in World War II. But the truth is, as we come to the Christmas story once again, 12 months every year, we gather around this moment to reflect upon the birth of Jesus Christ. As we read the Christmas story from Matthew's perspective, we discover that there was an overlooked character by the name of Joseph who faced a very real moral dilemma. The Bible says in verse 18 that the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now you need to understand the significance of what is happening in these few words at the start of the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph are betrothed to each other, which means they were legally pledged to be married to each other. This is more significant than engagement. Their parents had actually stepped in and helped make a decision around who they were going to marry. And so they uh, had not consummated their marriage. They had not legally or formally had a ceremony 
ceremony to celebrate their marriage. They simply were committed legally and betrothed to each other. And so if there was any immoral activity, an affair or adultery of anything of this kind, not only would it be frowned upon in the culture, but it was punishable by a capital punishment. Literally, the individual or the offender would be stoned to death. During the betrothal, Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth for three months. And in this exchange and encounter over three months, Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel that declares to her the word of the Lord that she is highly favored by God and that as a virgin, the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her and conceive in her womb the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The angel had defined and described the different callings and, and, and ways of this boy that was going to grow up and give his life as a sacrificial lamb for the salvation of his people and in fact of the whole human race. And so Mary has this encounter. She now is pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she returns back to Joseph. Can you imagine the scene when she returns to her betrothed? Joseph has not been with her for three months and all of a sudden she tells Joseph that she is pregnant and the best explanation she has was an angel showed up and told me that I was going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and zippity doo da, here I am pregnant today. And so Joseph, I'm just expecting for you to understand. Can you, if you were in Joseph's shoes, can you imagine the all sorts of sense of betrayal and hurt and anger and, and confusion that must have been going through his heart? And he's looking at Mary like, Mary, that's the best creation excuse I have ever heard as to why someone became pregnant 10 out of 10 how long did it take you to actually create this little story up it's like do you expect me to really believe that you are pregnant because the Holy Spirit conceived the Messiah the Son of God that the prophets had prophesied about for centuries that you as a virgin literally are the mother of the Son of God yeah pull the other one I bet that there's another story side of the story to this and I don't believe this for a minute and so Joseph is in a dilemma Joseph is torn between the law and what the law says but he's also feeling this incredible compassion and love towards his betrothed he's got a conviction because he is a man of truth and the Bible says it this way he was a just man he was a righteous man that even though he wrestled with fear and anger and I'm sure betrayal, the fact was he was a man that followed the law. He was a man that understood the truth and he was a man that also was aware of his own feelings towards Mary. And so he devised a plan. He created a plan that he would not bring shame to her because he didn't really believe at this point in the story that the Holy Spirit had in fact done a supernatural miracle inside of Mary's body. And so he created a plan that he would divorce her quietly and he would save his reputation because of his own fear of reprisal from the surrounding community, but he would also honour Mary, his betrothed. 
And right before he could initiate his plan, God interrupted Joseph's about uh, to, to make this incredible life-changing decision. God interrupted Joseph's mind and heart with a supernatural dream from the Holy Spirit. What was Joseph's dilemma all of a sudden became Joseph's dream. And the Bible says in verse 20 to 23 that as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, Joseph's decision to divorce Mary was being led by his fear, his anger, his hurt. He was worried about his reputation. He was concerned, what would everybody else around me say? The law says this, this has happened. I need to do something about this. And he, as he went to go on that journey to make that decision, God interrupted the trajectory of his life, his future destiny, and began to speak to him about what really was going on. I don't know about you, but I take courage in the fact that God knows what we need to hear when we are considering a course of action that is outside of His will. You see, you've got to know today, even though you and I may face dilemmas in our life, God is at work. God cares about the details of our life. He cares about what you and I are facing in our life. And in His sovereignty, He has plans and purposes for us. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in the midst of our human weakness. And God, as He intervened in Joseph's life, wants to intervene in your life today. He wants to speak into the dilemma that you and I face in our life, when we face a moral dilemma in life, we've got to seek God for His direction. We've actually got to come to a place where we give room and space to the Creator of heavens and earth to get our attention and highlight and illuminate to us what is in the heart of God, what we are to do with the dilemmas that we face in our life. And so in Joseph's dilemma, God spoke to the root issue. He spoke to the very cause of the conception. God said that this conception has not come about because of human affair. This conception is because of the work, the miraculous supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Right there in that one declaration is, is the, the, the divinity of Jesus Christ revealed to us that Jesus isn't just another man. Yes, he was fully and properly man, but he was also fully and properly God. Significant moment in the Christmas story is the truth that Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Not only that, Jesus could have been conceived by a king and a queen. He could have been born in a palace. He could have lived as a rock star. He could have died as a hero, enjoying the trappings of earthly wealth and, and prosperity, celebrating an earthly kingdom. 
But the truth is, Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born in a humble stable. He lived as an outcast on the earth, and he died a criminal's death. And yet Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible says in Philippians 2.6, though he was in the form of God, speaking about Jesus, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but taking on human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. One of the greatest testimonies of the Christmas story is John 1.14, the word, the living word, Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That alone, just that one truth of John 1, 14 is enough to give us hope for whatever dilemmas we are facing in our lives. Not only that, but God gave Joseph the name of the baby. The Bible tells us all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that names are significant. What you, def- what you name something as or name a child as is significant. It's not just because it's trendy or not just because we like the sound of the name, but the name Jesus has a reason, it has a purpose, it has a definition to it that points to his nature, his calling. The name Jesus means Jehovah, my salvation, or our deliverer, our saviour. Jesus came to save us from our sin. God declared that and spoke that in the dream to Joseph. Luke 19.10 tells us Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Not only that, but in this dream and in this encounter, God revealed that Jesus would fulfill prophecy that was uttered centuries before. In Isaiah 7.14, we read where it was declared that Jesus would be born of a virgin woman and that his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in Matthew 28, before Jesus ascended to the Father, Jesus said, Behold, I will be with you always, even to the end end of the age. In this one dream, in this one moment, in this one encounter, God by the Holy Spirit through the angel spoke to Joseph, arrested his attention before he could make a bad decision about his dilemma. God wanted Joseph to know what was really going on. And the Bible says that Joseph woke up from this encounter with God and he made a decision to obey God and to honour his betrothed wife being Mary. The Bible says in verse 24, 25, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Just think about this for a moment. Joseph could have said to God, no, I am not going to marry and honour Mary. No, I am not going to raise this boy as my son. Choose somebody else. Surely there's somebody else that that can take care of this situation. I am going to get on with my life. I'm going to preserve my reputation and I'm going to divorce her quietly and I am going to move forward with what I think is the right thing to do. But because Joseph said yes, his yes to God defined his destiny more than any other decision he made in his life. You see, not only did Joseph obey God's will, by raising this young man, this boy, this son of God. But he honoured Mary 
And he actually uh, uh, treated her and honored her as a man that truly was just and righteous and a man of integrity. You see, without Joseph's yes, Mary would have given birth to the, to the Son of God as a single mother. Without Joseph's yes, Mary would not have made it to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. It was Joseph's decision in the midst of his dilemma that defined his destiny. And his response teaches us this Christmas time. It's the decisions you make with the dilemmas you face that define your destiny. What dilemmas are you facing in your life right now? And what decisions are you making about those dilemmas? Because whether or not you're facing a dilemma right now, at some point you're going to be confronted with it, where you have a choice to make where you have a decision to make about how you're going to respond in your mind, in your heart, in your integrity, in your relationships. And some of those decisions God really cares about when it comes to your family, when it comes to your money, when it comes to your ministry, when it comes to your calling. All of us face dilemmas in life. It could be that it has to do with a, a ministry dream that you had that doesn't seem to be there anymore. It could be that there was a relationship breakdown where you thought it was going to head a certain way, but it didn't work out. It could be an investment opportunity that didn't go the way you'd intended it to go. All of us face practical dilemmas in our lives that have destiny-defining impact, and the decisions we make about it really does matter. There was another man in the Bible who faced a dilemma. His name was King Saul. He was a man who was anointed. He was handsome. He was popular. He was tall. He was someone who had influence because of his heritage and because of his upbringing. God had anointed this young man to be the king of Israel. And yet something was broken inside of King Saul's identity that actually caused him to be insecure and to operate out of an insecure identity. And so when God came to him and asked him to be thoroughly obedient to his will and to his word, King Saul, confronted with a moral dilemma, chose to compromise, disobey God, and the consequences meant that King Saul no longer would be called and anointed the next king of Israel. In fact, when the prophet Samuel came along in 1 Samuel 15, 22, this is what the word of the Lord says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. In other words, this is what God was saying. Nothing is more important than obeying the will of God in your life. No matter what dilemma you're facing, no matter what choice to compromise you may be confronted with in your personal life, in your public life, in your family life, God is coming to you on this Christmas day, this Christmas season, and He's saying the decisions you make with the dilemmas you face will define your destiny. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 17, the world as we know it, with all of its desires, with all of its trappings, with all of its sin, the world is passing away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. 
You see, the reason Jesus Christ was born, the reason he lived, and the reason he died and rose again is because every single human on the face of the planet, every single one of us in this room faces a cosmic dilemma. It's not just Joseph who faced a moral dilemma. You and I face a cosmic dilemma, and that dilemma is called sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means we've missed the mark of God's original intention for us. When our original parents rebelled against God, took matters into their own hands, thought they knew better than God, disobeyed God, that seed of rebellion and sin was perpetuated in every generation and in the condition of every human heart, causing brokenness to break out and become rampant in every human heart across every generation. You can only ever reproduce after your own kind, and the kind that has been reproduced in our hearts apart from Christ is the seed of sin. And the problem with sin is that sin has eternal consequences. It actually needs to be dealt with. It needs to be punished. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Because God is just and God is holy, He cannot tolerate this act of rebellion. Something must be done about it. And so God in his uh, cosmic created self was actually in a somewhat of an eternal dilemma. Do I let my creation, those who have been made in my image and my likeness, die because of their sin and rebellion or do I actually die in their place? That answer The answer that God gave to that dilemma actually was a no-brainer for God because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It was a no-brainer for God because God knew that only a pure, only a a sacrificial lamb metaphor, uh, only someone like Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could actually be sacrificed, lay their life down so that you and I could be reconciled back to the Father. You see, a father and daughter were walking down the street and they were holding hands, heading to the local park. And as they were walking down the street, the daughter decided that she knew better than dad and she decided to uh, dart across the road and get to the park before her father, failing to see that there was a semi-trailer truck driving towards her. She could not see that as she raced across the road, but the father, from his vantage point, could see what was about to happen. He knew he had a split second to make a decision about what he was going to do, and so he raced across the road, pushed his daughter out of the way as the semi-trailer truck hit him and killed him. That is exactly what God, our Heavenly Father, did when He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. When you and I felt and thought that we knew better than God, living in our own self-centeredness, living in our own sin, running away from God, doing what we think is, is what we want to do to find freedom and peace and, 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 and a sense of meaning and purpose in life. As we raced away from God, there was a semi-trailer truck 
called sin and eternal separation from God heading towards us. And God saw that. And in John 3.16, we're told God so loved us that he gave. He became the sacrificial lamb. He gave us his one and only son so that whosoever should believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you're ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.